There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 13th, 2010. Now, newcomers look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites. Bookmark the sites I have listed there. These are the official sites. Sometimes you'll find it easier to download from one of these alternate sites because so many folk use the com site at the same time. And remember, they all have a lot of English transcripts of the talks I've given for print-up. Uh, if you want transcripts in other languages, go to alanwattsentient.sentinel.eu and you can take your choice from a whole variety of them. While you're there too, remember to go into uh, the articles for sale, the books I've got and the DVDs and discs and so on, because that's what keeps me going. I'm probably the only person on air who doesn't accept money from advertisers. The ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers straight to RBN as, as normal, and that covers the airtime, it covers the staff, their equipment, and their bills. So you help me out with mine by purchasing the items I have for sale. If I had more time, which I really don't, uh, I would be churning out more uh, books, believe you me, because it's all in the head. and doesn't take long to write one either, but I never have a minute's peace around here, seven days a week. You can purchase the books and so on from the U.S. to Canada by personal check, or by using an international postal money order. I stress international for your post office, and that's good for Canada. Uh, you can also use PayPal for donation or to purchase. If you want to purchase the book, send a donation in a separate email with your name, address, and the order with it, and that will come out to you very quickly. Cash is sometimes sent by some people. Uh, MoneyGram, Western Union is okay too. Same across the rest of the world, you're, you're, you're left really with Cash, Western Union, or MoneyGram, or again PayPal, which is fine, or Cash. So, uh, most, country, most countries' Cash is still changeable at the banks over here for a small fee, as they say. The banks get small fees, an awful lot of small fees tally up, don't they? But they make their money okay, as they always have done. So I say, do that, and that keep me, that'll keep me going because uh, it takes a lot just to scrape by here, just to scrape by. This is not a business. It's not. Uh, 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 there's no staff here um, getting hired all the time and so on to do things, which would give me some time to take a walk, for instance. So uh, it's up to you to keep me going, and hopefully I can get better equipment down the road too, and, um, and maybe one day get some staff. Now, we go through life um, working our butts off, really. Most people work their butts off, and they're, uh, they, they tend, when you're young, you tend to try and uh, accept the system you're in. You, you're out for the good life. You're out for having a good time and enjoying yourself. And, of course, that's what all your, the media is aimed at the young is geared towards. It gears towards just have a good time. Don't think too deeply about anything big any big problems, and so on. And most of them don't. You are out having a good time. 
But it isn't until you're a bit older you find out that the world isn't working the way you thought it was, especially when maybe you get laid off from work. And we know nowadays, of course, even for the last 20 years, have been telling us to expect maybe up to 11 job changes minimum in your lifetime, and you might end up working three or four jobs in a day, a single day, part-time jobs. They were gearing up towards that as far back as the late 60s, in fact, with these predictions of what was to come. The reason is, you see, that... that, um, they do give out little bits of what they're up to, but the, the media doesn't go into who's behind it. Who does plan the future? Who does plan the world society? And maybe we'll, we'll touch on some of that tonight and show you how vastly different it is from what you think. Back after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about how we, when we're young, we're out to have a good time, and that's what's promoted to us by all the advertising around you, and most of which you're generally unaware of. Most folk don't remember the ads or where they get their ideas from, but you're bombarded with them all the time, and collectively they certainly work. Uh, and everyone is changed uniformly because you're all getting the same advertising geared at what you think is your generation. Uh, I can remember when I think it was the was it the who came out with the talk about my generation, and of course that was the, the era where people literally thought that uh, youngsters were coming out of back uh, garages, uh, little bands, and getting up there in the charts just like that, all by them little lonesomes. Uh, and nothing was further the truth. We're, uh, further from the truth, we're given a complete fake history of reality. And the idea was, again, to separate the generations and destroy families, actually, was the main part of it. They decided as early as the 1900s, and you'll find this in the writings, the early writings of Lenin, uh, that um, services would come in in democratic, what he called democratic countries. He meant communistic countries. And services and government agencies would basically take all the, over all the functions that families used to do, including taking care of the elderly and so on. And it would also, they also wanted to get all parties out into the, the workforce. Of course, the West loved that idea too because it meant that uh, they'd double their tax base, which they did. So we, we grow into our own time. We're born into our own time. And everything's set on. It's already laid out for us what we're going to to do through most of it, to be honest with you. What we're going to think. The educational system through UNESCO, which is standardized across the world, um, creates everyone uh, into the same opinions by the same education. Therefore, you can meet someone from another country and you'll have the same opinions on world events and so on as you do because they've had the same indoctrinations, the same reality indoctrination. But we're never ever told the real truth about anything, to be honest, in this world. Uh, the only time I'll tell you a truth is the effect of uh, massive meetings, high-level meetings that have gone on that you're completely oblivious of. You're given the end result, which is generally taxation or new laws or something. But you're never told uh, about when or who came up with the idea of the big organization that came out with the idea in the first place, or all the people who attended, how many meetings they had, uh, who funded it, and so on, who really profits from it. You're told the, the, the end effects of it. 
and in the patriot communities and those who are trying to establish some kind of uh, uh, national identity, and I refer to some countries which are trying to define some kind of national identity as because they've lost it all. Like Britain, for instance, they don't know really what they are anymore, which is an ideal state to be in uh, when you're conquered, uh, as far as the conquerors are concerned. And the whole of the European Union is, is made up of countries now uh, going through the same process, the same cult- deculturalization process, and being taught steadily, steadily, steadily to accept authoritarian rule. It's far easier, it's far easier to manage people under authoritarian rules than what's called democracy. They'll still use the term democracy for the present, but you're really under authoritarianism and have been for quite some time. Same really in Canada and the States. We just don't see the big stick so much in Canada yet. Although the protesters at different meetings, World Trade Organization meetings and stuff, have certainly found lots of pepper spray and um, dirty tricks going on when they try to protest these things. The, the general public see it on television. Uh, they see the occasional guys rioting and throwing their little firebombs. And the press are always at those places to cover that kind of incident at the right time, amazingly enough. And that's to give the, the public impression that all these people there are just a bunch of students with nothing to do and lots of energy to kick around. That's how the world is presented to us. And nothing is further from the truth. We've floated through our lives, most people will float through their lives. They don't know, they didn't even notice that suddenly in stores, most folk truly didn't notice uh, that suddenly everything was being made in China. Uh, Why was that? Why wouldn't you notice something that was so vital and had so many, many consequences to your own countries, meaning obviously that you're not making these things here anymore, for instance. But most people didn't. They were too busy, caught up in their own little personal lives, uh, running around from work, to back home, uh, out for fun, whatever they're up to. And they didn't, don't give much credence or, or time to really what's going on around them, as long as they can still buy the same kind of things or what looks like it. Everything from China now looks like the real thing, but isn't really. It falls apart rather quickly, which again has a very significant uh, uh, meaning to that as well. It means you're going downhill in a society where nothing is meant to last, not just because it's cheaply made and expensive to buy, but because really our whole way of living is to be changed drastically. That's why nothing is churned down to last very long. Now, people have to go into their history to even find out what's, where the big plans were set up, by whom, and how they implemented their plans over generations. To understand what's going on, there's no point in saying, my God, look what they're doing to us today, and every day the media will make sure they give you a, a hundred stories of, of things that are going to get your, your back up, so to speak, or make you grit your teeth of events that are happening, or side effects, I call them. I call these the side effects of the big plans, as certain people end up suffering from them. Either being arrested for taking a photograph in London Square or something like that, or these are the kind of things that annoy you. But these are the effects of big plans which were implemented a long time ago. I've got into many of the the big planners um, from previous ages, who wrote about this coming society. They were all for it, and they helped plan it, in fact. 
and they churned out a lot of books about it. Um, but every generation pushes it further because, you see, they have never lost control. And Quigley, Carl Quigley was correct when he said that uh, in the U.S. alone, uh, this one group had made sure that every president uh, elected from any party, the, top, the tops are all belong to this group, uh, had been elected for the last 60 years, and he wrote his book in the mid-60s. So, for, so from the late 1800s, really, a group had put in their own people. And, of course, the conservatives would think, or the Republicans would think it's their boy, and the liberals would think it's their boy. And that's how it works, really. It's a con game. There's an agenda ongoing from generation to generation, and it doesn't change course. Why is it, for instance, when, say, uh, the, the politics change in Britain or the U.S. or somewhere else, uh, a different party gets in? Why is it they don't come in and scrap all the things which obviously are not working? They don't do that. Uh, why don't they scrap all the treaties and agreements that are soaking the money out of the public purse for other countries, uh, such as came out of the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs and NAFTA, where the NAFTA countries, that are first world countries, have to pay for the third world countries, supposedly, to come up to a certain standard, while the top ones go down, and we're supposed to meet in some happy, obscure balance uh, somewhere in between. And it's the same with the European Union. You see, it's identical to the European Union. It's, that's why it's identical. The same people, very wealthy people, uh, decided this is the way to go for the world. Karl Marx wrote about it, trading blocks of nations, with a kind of provincial uh, government set up for the whole block uh, under a, a world government or parliament. And Jefferson also said the same thing. He says, when you see the same, the same agenda, an agenda being carried forth between the changes of houses of Congress, the new parties come in, when you see the same thing continue, know you're under tyranny. There's something else at play here, something else at work. And that is the proof of it, of course. Now, Anyone in any particular job will know. Take a, take, a, take a basic job, for instance, a basic job with skill, um, and say even carpentry. Uh, if someone tries to build a house the wrong way and doesn't work, you'll learn from that. You don't build the same thing over again. In fact, you don't build a whole bunch of them in your own country or your town and across the whole world. But we say, well, this isn't working here. Why is it the same system is going on across the world and everyone under that system is suffering? It's because it's a bigger goal at play. And, we, and remember, this is so important to remember, I've mentioned it so many times, that Brzezinski said that um, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. You see, that's it's happened. It's happened a while ago. And that's why people really are confused and they're angry when, the, as I say, the side effects of big plans hit them personally. They're confused because they don't know why. And they don't know why the media hasn't told them. And why the media, if it does touch on a topic eventually under pressure, it glosses over it. It doesn't go into any detail whatsoever to give you any real inclination as to who's behind it, what's behind it, and what's the big plan here. The media 
has always been owned by private powers. Private powers. And the, the media moguls or barons, as you call them, uh, can own, own hundreds and hundreds of uh, newspapers across a nation and thousands across other nations to make sure that the standardized news, which doesn't mean it's truth, remember, news is not truth. Don't ever confuse the two. But everyone gets the same news at the same time across a whole large area to make sure everyone will be, as Brzezinski said, talking about what they were downloaded with on the previous night's news. That's happened. I also mentioned another uh, site, uh, which is Pool, of course. It was called Star Suckers. And it was about uh, the media. The second part was very interesting of what's happened to the media. And it goes into the media and shows you that very few newspapers actually employ any... Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about uh, Star uh, Star Suckers. Excellent series on exposés on how the public are manipulated by media. And uh, I think three or four folk have tried to get it up there on YouTube and so on, but it keeps getting pulled. But it does go into uh, journalism. And they tell you how much of the journalistic staff have been axed uh, over uh, from the, the companies over the years until you're, you're left with maybe one two or two people who depend on handouts, who depend for their news on handouts from the big public relations corporations that work for the big powers, the big corporate powers. And, and they generally just insert them straight into the newspaper, put their name on them, and that's what's presented to the public as news. The military does it too. I've gone through articles from the Pentagon, where they've admitted they'll be putting out maybe 2,000, 3,000 this year under different names, John Brown, whatever it happens to be. And, and of course, you're presented with what you think is news. It's a big Disney show. But that's what they do. And the Star Suckers, too, they also showed you how they, they even had demonstrations set up against, I think, Miss UK or something, and they hired a bunch of women to hold banners and protest uh, this shameless uh, exposing of skin, etc. They hired them, and you see the guy talking to them, uh, the guy that hired them, who also was running uh, Miss, Miss UK at the time. There's nothing you can see in it that's really real anymore. It's, it's entertainment. And the rest of it is disinformation put out by public relations companies, many of them from the government themselves. They work through public relations firms and public-private partnerships to keep you... You see, we're not meant to know what's really going on. If people really knew what's going on, there would be riots. There really, really would be riots. If they knew that big private organizations and foundations were working to bring in a certain type of global governance, as they call it, uh, which is authoritarian... They have said so. The Club of Rome said the same thing too, that democracy had to go because there's too many competing parties and too many conflicting groups all demanding what they want and nothing can get done. So you're going through that phase now and you have been really openly since 2001 when they used the the, the war on terror as an excuse. And that's really the reason for the war on terror is to train us into the authoritarian new system. 
while we go down in financial collapse at the same time because we were all too worried about her buying beans and potatoes. Um, we won't be worrying so much about what the big boys are doing. We have one thing in our mind, that's pure survival. Plus, we turn to governments to help us, and they get away with, well, literally murder during these periods because they're not democratic at all. It was all arranged that way, because this is the time. I think back in the 90s, there was a World uh, Bank uh, meeting, and I remember a guy got into it because his son had a ticket. His son was killed, so he took the ticket and got in. And he thought it was about the wilderness and areas and preservation and so on of woodlands. That's what he thought it was about. And Mr. Rockefeller came on, and Rothschild was there, and said, this is the generation. He taped it. He says, this is the generation. This is the generation that is the cannon fodder for this new system, meaning we have to suffer through it. We're the ones to suffer through it. Planned a long time ago. But most folk don't even know what's going on. How can you possibly think you're democratic when big organizations and big lobbyists meet with government uh, and have maybe week-long meetings with them on and off, maybe two or three times a year, planning a future which you're out of? You don't even know that it is going on or what it entails or what the government has agreed to do with these corporations. But we're not democratic, so let's, let's not even try and kid ourselves. It's nonsense. We're not democratic at all. Now, an example is the Lotus Group, for instance. Most folk haven't heard of the Lotus Group, except the New Agers that think it's Buddha sitting on a lotus leaf. But no, there's a Lotus Group, and it's a, it's a corporate power, very important corporate power. And this is a research paper from Gats Watch, a very good organization for information on all of this stuff. Now, it's beautiful how they call it Gats. Gats. We've all heard of the, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs. But they give you another one sounding exactly the same, but it's just G-A-T-S, to confuse you, you see. Because this is the General Agreement on Trade and Service, which is another thing altogether, but ties in with the other one. And this is, this is about liberalization of trade and service, corporate power at work. It's by Eric Weaselis. And it tells you a little bit about this Lotus Group that helped plan your future and plan the present condition you're in. It says, um, the, the United Kingdom is home to particularly influential service, uh, services industry lobby, which operates through an organization called International Financial Services. So... There's, there's two parts to the group. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watt, we're back again, cut off once more, talking about the Lotus Group, which involves not just Britain, but the, the U.S. too. And it says here that the Lotus Committee and high-level Lotus Group are more than just another corporate pressure group. These two bodies constitute a veritable corporate state alliance in which senior U.K. government officials sit together with their business counterparts. 
The strength and effectiveness of the Lotus Committee derives from the open and cooperative interface which exists in its work between the private sector members and the British government officials who are involved in the negotiating processes in Brussels and Geneva. This enables the UK position on financial and related professional services interests to be represented in the most direct way possible. So this paper is largely based upon minutes of meetings of the Lotus Committee and high-level Lotus Group that were recently uncovered by Corporate Europe Observatory. These minutes covering a period between April 1999 and February 2001 kind of give an unprecedented insight in the day-to-day workings of the Lotus Corporate State Alliance. Within the Lotus Committee and high-level Lotus Group, the distinction between public and private has become completely blurred. The Lotus uh, structures provide a private forum where government and business discuss strategies for ongoing world trade organization negotiations on liberalization of trades and services. This allows the UK financial services industry an unjustifiable control over large parts of the UK trade policy agenda. These are the guys who literally are they're internationalists. As for the international world states, uh, their part is, is to deal with mainly Europe, but the, the US also sits in on their big meetings as well for the NAFTA deal. It says, the, the minutes also reveal that the government officials have allied with businesses in a planning campaign to defeat civil society opposition against the World Trade Organization services negotiations. So there you are, there's a, a deal with the government and the business to plan a campaign to defeat civil society opposition against the World Trade Organization Services Negotiation. At a Lotus Committee meeting held February 2001, Mr. Malcolm McKinnon of the Department of Trade and Energy and Industry warned his corporate Lotus fellows that the case for liberalization in services was vulnerable when the NGOs asked for proof of where the economic benefits of liberalization lay, liberalization of of, uh, business we're talking about. As part of a public-private counter-offensive, a research project was to be commissioned to provide case studies highlighting benefits of trade and services liberalization for developing countries. Media access was ensured, and a high-level Reuters official promised that his company would be most willing to give publicity. While it's useful and justified for governments to take business concerns into account when formulating trade policy, privileged cooperative arrangements between business and government as embodied in the IFSL Lotus do not belong in a truly democratic policy-making process. And, and see, that's the whole kicker there. You have these big, powerful groups meeting with the ministers of trade, as they call the politicians, that deal with that. In the U.S., you've got your, your, your Department of, of uh, Trade and so on. And they meet with them, and, and they're, held, they're behind closed doors. The public never even know they're going on. And they work out campaigns for the next liberalization part of trade. What it's about, too, by the way, is to allow foreign countries to come into your country. And this has already happened in some countries like Britain. And uh, the initial meetings, I remember, were all set up in France at the time. No one was allowed to get in except one one NGO, and she just demanded that, uh, she's from Canada, she just demanded to give fair wages to Chinese workers. And I thought, oh, so much for that. But anyway, it was, if countries want to come in to, say, Canada with a business, uh, there can be no restrictive trade barriers to them coming in. 
even if you have minimum wage standards, that's considered a barrier to them coming in. And if you deny them uh, the rights to come in by any means possible or, or, or even very legitimate reasons, um, they can fine you, they take to the World Court, the World Trade Organization, and uh, they fine the country billions of dollars for not allowing them proper, full, open entry into that country for denying business. And it's already happened. Mexico was fined, I think, $17 million for stopping a a company coming in that wanted to build a chemical plant over their water supply. And under the World Trade Organization, uh, Mexico had put restrictions on the entry of a business, a foreign business, therefore they had to cough up the cash as, as a fine. This is incredible, you know. Incredible. See, it also means that if they want to come in from China, for instance, not that they will, but if they want to come in from China, they could literally say, and you say, well, you can't pay minimum wage. Well, they say, well, that's what we pay our workers in China, and we'll give Canadians or whoever the same wage. Uh, and you stop them from coming in, they'll fine you millions and millions of dollars, and you've got to cough up. But this Lotus Group really is a big part Remember, too, the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, they had all these working bodies, these front groups, real working bodies that did high-level business negotiations directly with government. And they still do. And you can bet your bottom dollar this Lotus Group is one of them. We're post-democratic, you see, according to the big boys. We have been for a long time. Uh, The media is totally owned and controlled and will not go into these meet or demand access or even sneak in to allow the public to know what's really going on when your future is being decided for you by these high-level bureaucrats and high-level businessmen, corporate leaders. But it says here, considering the facts presented in this paper, the UK government should immediately discontinue its involvement in International Financial Services London and its Lotus Committee and high-level Lotus Group. Similar corporate state alliances and other policy areas should be dismantled, while existing UK trade policies would have to be reassessed and geared towards sustainable development, hopefully for their own country. High priority should be given to the development of balanced and truly democratic mechanisms for civil society input and trade policy preparation. Well, that would be democracy, wouldn't it? But that ain't going to happen. It says, The breakdown of the World Trade Organization's 1999 ministerial conference in Seattle thwarted corporate dreams of a broad push for global trade and investment liberalization. No WTO Millennium Round was launched in Seattle, but government negotiations backed by active corporate lobby groups managed to salvage part of the Millennium Round agenda. In the beginning of the year 2000, World Trade Organization negotiations on extended liberalization of trade and services, nicknamed GATS 2000, were launched. Corporate lobbying was decisive for the coming into being of the General Agreement on Trade and Services, one of the so-called Marrakesh Agreements, that's under the United Nations, uh, and concluded at the end of the GATT Uruguay round in 1994. You have to go into your history too and look at who set up, again, the United Nations, and I've told you often enough, and where they had these big world meetings. They have certain ones like Marrakesh and Uruguay and so on, Rio, where they set up specific parts to deal with certain parts of this whole world 
society's agenda. And that they go back for the, to the same place uh, for that same part of the second round on the same topic of the agenda. It's the same thing with, uh, with uh, the, um, the, the recent meeting that the G20 had in Toronto. Uh, they actually go as far back as the 1930s, uh, 20s, sorry, where the CFR and the Royal Institute of International Affairs have their meetings. And they have to go to Toronto for that particular type of meeting so many years after the first meeting, or the second, or the third. There's space between them. So it says here, according to David Hartridge, former director of the World Trade Organization Services Division, without the enormous pressure generated by American financial services sector, particularly in companies like American Express and Citicorp, there would have been no services agreement. So there's big corporations, of course, in the States, all in with this Lotus Group as well working with the World Trade Organization to bring you the global society. And believe you me, these corporations have no national identity. And the peasant of America is the same as the peasant of China to them. We've got to get that through our heads, you understand. All this has been discussed before I was born by people who set up these organizations for the present, the kind of society. And if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed... (laughs) Uh, and uh, maybe some in, some in Canada haven't noticed quite yet, but the CCTV cameras, the total information network uh, service uh, that's going on in the States and Britain and elsewhere, um, is all to do with the takedown of societies to bring in this world organization where they'll be, will be run by, uh, in a feudal system, a feudalistic system, as quickly said, with the CEOs of these corporations being the new feudal overlords. But meanwhile, there's too many peasants, and they've got to get rid of them. That's why all this is happening. You you don't make mistakes at the top. Do you you really think that government after government after government after government comes in uh, with access to the books and the financial records and just goes on borrowing more money and and uh, as though there's some kind of uh, on some sort of dope high or something, without knowing that this is not meant to last. Of course not. Do you think that the, the directors of the Bank of England or the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada don't know what's coming down the pike and they didn't know 20, 30, 40 years ago? Of course they do. They could have kept the stock market going forever. It's all bubbles and con anyway. But they didn't. They bring it down now because it's time to bring down society and bring in the age of austerity and replace the consumerist society with the tax-paying and fee-paying society, carbon taxes, water taxes, uh, energy taxes, and, and so on. That's where money will go, not for consuming anymore. That was all planned an awful long time ago. They don't wait for mistakes to happen to come along and take them off guard. You don't suddenly have a crash out of the blue. It does not happen. It doesn't happen. Believe you me, in this real world, it doesn't happen. And takes everybody by surprise. Cannot happen, doesn't happen. They have the best brains, even from the private uh, industries and so on, working with them. They know what's going on all the time. This sort of thing does not, ha- any more than a war just happens out the blue either, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Nothing on a major scale happens out the blue. 
with no warning. Nothing. And so if it happens in politics, it's planned that way. Nothing will ever change there. This is a time for the new era, remember, the completely different way of living that they've been talking about for the last 60 years. Now you're getting to know what it's all about. They've got to have something that the public can see visibly or at least feel the effects of to make it real to them. Where it's a war on terror, they'll keep churning out rotten tapes of uh, uh, Ben Laden. Or they'll... Or they will blow up towers, or they'll blow up whatever they need to blow up to make sure that the public get the message and get terrified enough. Or they'll crash the economy and bring out one expert after another. If there are all these damned experts out there, how come we're in the mess we're in? I mean, you can't be an expert and running government's books and so on. can't happen. And this just catches you by surprise. Of course not. It's nonsense. But it's all planned this way. We're run by corporate, corporate lobbying. We have been for an awful long time. Governments and uh, the lobbyists really and big corporations are all one. Any novice coming in by some strange miracle, which will never happen, of a different party coming in with real people who are not utterly corrupt from the beginning, um, they would never get access to what's really ha- In fact, they'd be out so fast or all assassinated uh, because they'd have to change things to make them work. It's not meant to work for your benefit. Your governments don't work for your benefit. They don't, and they haven't for a long, long time. And as he quickly exposed that too, he said the Royal Institute of International Affairs, made up of the richest men in the world, at the top, even from, from the Milner Group, who were all bankers and international bankers, set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. He says they're often mistaken by people as being left-wing because they keep bringing in, talking about socialist system they're bringing in. They're talking about the completely controlled society under socialism, which is an authoritarian system. That's what they're bringing in. Because, as I say, democracy doesn't work as far as you're concerned. We demand too many things. These same people will give you champions of the poor to make sure uh, that they can start borrowing more money, and then they say, look at that debt, oh my goodness, how are we going to pay for it, etc., etc., etc. They cause the problems, then turn and ask you what you're going to do about it. They own every side. Every side out there that's authorized to be there. It's strange even with the big NGOs, and uh, they used to go demanding to ban the bomb and all the rest of it, you know. Um, it's amazing how they're quiet on certain subjects, utterly silent. But they get in protest when, when what happens? Well, when they're told to protest. Because who runs them? The big foundations. Who owns the big foundations? The international banksters. And you have no media to speak of that's going to go into the histories of it and inform the public. Not that it's easy to inform the public. Most of them don't want to know. When you've been trained all your life to just read about the oohs and ahs of side effects happening today with another dozen to read tomorrow, you'll never really know anything. You're just kept in a constant state of anxiety. But you've got to find out what's behind it. 
The public had had no vote into the World Trade Organization of any kind whatsoever. The public have no vote in, in even the setup and creation of the United Nations that's bringing all this world government together with the WTO and the GATT and all the rest of it. The general public keep on under the strange, darned illusion they've got democracies, only because you keep telling you that from the media, when there's no trace of democracy to be seen in my lifetime. If you ask the ones who are fighting for democracy, they think they are at the bottom. They want some kind of strange Disneyland where every care is catered to. Cotton wool from birth to grave. Which is that's a fantasy you're living out there. That's a fantasy. That's not reality. Because the less that you want from government, the less taxation there's going to be. And the smaller the government, that's what it should be, is as small as possible to take care of basic necessities. And there's no need to even tax their own people. They didn't used to have to tax their own people. You did it on imports and so on. And it worked. Back with more after these messages. Cutting through the matrix. Just talking about the Lotus Group, for instance, as an example. There's so many groups out there that would take you a hundred years for you just to do nothing else except go through them all. That's how complex this massive system of gov- governance, as they call it, that's what they mean by governance. It's non-democratic. It's not even from your government. It's private businesses and international corporations. I'll also put this link up, this other link by Gregory Pallast, who works for the same group, CoreWatch. And he says here, the three confidential documents from inside the World Trade Organization Secretary and a group of captains of London finance who call themselves the British Invisibles reveal the extraordinary secret entanglement of industry with government in designing European and American proposals for radical pro-business changes in the World Trade Organization rules. Now, Palace is no conspiracy nut. He's worked for, for the New York Times. He's worked for the BBC and different places like that. One set of documents, minutes, minutes of the private meetings of the liberalization of trade and services. By the way, they already tried that in some countries where they can bring in Filipinos. They set up an organization, say, for, for hospital staff in the Philippines, and they can bring them over to your country and pay them the, the same wages as they would get paying, paid back in the Philippines. Now, now working in your country and your own hospital staff are laid off, folks. That's what, that's what your new world, that your new healthcare system in the States is talking about too, by the way. And it says that these private meetings were, were discovered by the Dutch think tank Corporate Europe Observatory. They record 14 secret meetings from April 1999 and February 2001 between Britain's chief services trade negotiations, the Bank of England, and the movers and shakers of the Euro-American business world. Those attending the closed lotus include Peter Sutherland, international chairman of U.S.-based investment bank, or guess who again, Goldman Sachs, and formerly the director general of the World Trade Organization. Lotus is chaired by the Right Honourable Lord Britton of Spinathorne QC, who is Leon Britton, headed the European Union. So see how all these big boys are in it? He currently serves as Vice Chairman of International Banking House UBS, Warburg Dylan Reed. 
Other Lotus members include the European Chiefs of U.S. Service Industry Giants Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter, Prudential Corporation and PricewaterhouseCoopers. Lotus is an outgrowth of the self-styled British Invisibles, most formerly known in the, as the Financial Services International Lobby, a London group. They were joined at various times by specially invited members of the European Commission's trade negotiations team. These are the guys who are bringing you your world society. Big private international corporations who are sometimes heads, they wear different hats, of the WTO, and sometimes they wear the hat of the CEO of the very business that they're promoting. The minutes indicate the government officials shared confidential negotiating documents with the corporate leaders, as well as inside information on the negotiating positions of the European community, the US and developing nations. At the meeting held on February 22nd this year, Britain's chief negotiator on general agreement on trade and services made references to the European Commission's paper on industry regulation, which has been privately circulated to Lotus members for their comment. The public hear nothing about this. Now, they're also right into the public services, healthcare, education, to energy, water and transportation, because these are the boys who are buying it all up globally and privately. That's what your new world orders are all about. You see, as far as you're concerned, democracy is in the waste bin. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods, go with you.